seated. Can't run in these shoes very well. Um, I just, you know, you live a long time and you hear something you've never heard before. I just ran across somebody that has a popcorn allergy and he swells up and could die. So I was leading him in the back door and he said, oh, I already smell it. So he had to head back out. So I know his wife is in here. <sighs> I was running around the building, so I apologize for being like, hey, guess what we're going to do now? Pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. So I need a couple of pitchers that will try to strike out the batter. Who will? Okay. Oh, of course. Kelly. Come on up, Kelly. All right. And who else? All right. Right there. Come on up. Look, we've got two pitchers here. One dressed for the occasion. The other's just hanging. All right. So what, what you're going to do, I'll tell you when you, when you come on up. Um, you're the pitchers, and you're going to try to strike out the batter, and the batter is the strike zone is the black square. Sure. Okay? Wow, look at this guy right here. I'm talking. I'm going to get a picture with him. <laughs> You're looking good today. <laughs> Kelly? I know. I can't <laughs> Okay. Often, don't do. Yeah. Right. Okay, so who wants to go first? You want to go first? Ladies All right. First. All right. Ladies first. How many? And, well, three strikes and you're out. Okay. We've got our umpire up there, and yeah. he's going to call it. Yeah. And what you want to do, here, let's, you get behind the line there. Right. And, uh. Go to go for the strikes, and it's, just, it's a hole, so it'll go through. Right. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Right. Oh, good try. Oh, ball. Yeah. Oh, ball three. No, you get. You know, you can. Yeah, you get four balls and three strikes. Okay. Oh, you just walked the guy. Okay, so we got a guy on base, first base. Now we, this pitcher. And uh, <laughs> oh, ball one. Oh, ball two. Oh, oh, you just walked the guy. We've got a guy on first and second. Come on up, Kelly. Try to strike the next batter out. Oh, 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 strike one. One and one. Two, no, no, you get more. You get to strike them out. It's two balls, two strikes. Have you, do you watch baseball? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, three balls, two strikes, full count. Oh, you struck them out. No, okay, now you're done. Yeah, you struck them out. All right, now you've got to beat that one. Oh, strike one. Oh, strike two. Oh, ball one. Oh, strike three. All right, we've got a show down here. All right, come on, Kelly. 
we'll go until one of them wins. Come on, Kelly, Kelly, do it for the girls. Oh. oh, that's three and one. You get to go more. Oh. You walk the dude. We've got bases loaded with walks. Awesome. Thank you guys. <laughs> good, good sports. Oh, Mike. Come on up, Mike. They want you to do it. Let's see what you can. Oh. Oh, yeah. Where are you? Oh, you're coming back up with the piano. <laughs> All right. Wow, that was fun. That was the best one we've had yet. Take me. Okay. Hi, Mike. Hello. Do you like you, how you're up on the screen there? You yeah. look like the duck hunter. <laughs> yeah, the duck commander. That's and it. I think that's that's real, isn't it? The duck commander? Yeah, the yeah. duck commander. You are a duck yeah, commander. I want to be. Yes, well, you do it too. This is Mike Pates, and he is on our leadership board. And uh, I just kind of wanted you to learn to know who he is. He's just kind of a low-key guy. But, Mike, you've been here for at Salem Fields for how long? This is going on 15 years. 15 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your family. So I've been married for 22 years. Uh, my daughter, yeah, thank you, thank you. I should say happily married for 22 oh, years. Um, wow. I have a daughter that's getting ready to turn 18, and my son is here. He's getting ready to turn 21 in two weeks. Wow, congratulations. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and uh, that, that's incredible. Um, tell us what you do for a living. So I am a construction manager. I manage all sorts of construction projects I have for about 25 years now. Wow. And, you know, uh, that wing out there the, uh, where the lobby and Rubicon is and the office space, Mike was so instrumental in that. I got to tell you, because we trusted him and he was a Salem fielder and because of his profession and what he does, he had the expertise. And he gave hours and hours and hours and saved Salem Fields Community Church just thousands of dollars because he was willing to be our liaison between our uh, the engineers in the construction company and Salem Fields. And it, w it meant the world for Buddy and I to have someone as we entered into that massive project, to have someone that we knew, knew the business, but more than that, that we could trust. And he, was, he worked diligently in so many hours beyond what his work really was. And I know I'm probably embarrassing him yeah. right now, but, yeah. but what he and his family have meant to Salem Fields Community Church has been phenomenal. So, Mike, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see. What else can I? Oh, yeah. What is a hobby? What's something that you love? So, going back to the, the, the duck commander theme, I, I really enjoy uh, hunting and fishing. I love the outdoors. 
Um, but I think most importantly, I've realized over the years, it's not really about the hunting. It's just spending time with friends and family oh, yeah. in an outdoor setting to watch the sunsets and the sunrise to really see God's paintings and what he can do. I really enjoy that. Mm, you love nature, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. That's really neat. Well, you know, one of the things that I decided to do back a month or so ago was to get some people that don't normally come up on the stage to get out of their comfort zone and get them up here. And one night at our leadership board, I said, hey, you guys are going to lead the way. You're going to start the way. And so last night, Mike and I had a conversation about stretching out of his comfort zone. And uh, what was it we talked about, Mike? Stepping out on faith and giving it all to God. Yeah, and being a fool for Jesus, yeah. huh? Because, you know, when you don't want to do this, you're focused on what other people will think. But when you come up here and you're focused on, I'm doing, I, I get to do this for Jesus, it changes everything. And mm. I'm so thankful Amen. for you, Mike, that you've stretched out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, definitely. And you're up here? Yeah. Okay, stretch a little more. Come over here and tell us some things that we need to know. Okay, let's do the announcements. So today, let's talk about giving and tithing. Um, there's been so many ways that Salem Fields allows us to give. I, I should step back and say, if this is your first time here, um, please don't feel obligated to give. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy the Word of God. But here you can see there's so many different ways to give. In the next song, the buckets will come around. Uh, you can go out in the lobby and use the credit card machines. You can give on our website, on our personal app. And just recently, my wife and I signed up for the direct debit. It is easy. It's efficient. And no matter how we're always running and traveling during the summer, it's always there, and you don't have to worry about it. So you can continue to give. Um, next is our connection card. In your programs, you'll have a connection card. Please fill it out if you're new, if you're new or if you're going to just update your information. Um, you can also do that on the personal app. Uh, you can do it on the website. And we just want to, it's a great way to, to uh, get to know each other. Um, you can uh, provide prayer requests. Uh, you can ask questions. And you can also sign up for uh, missions and um, all sorts of events. Now, for all of us who do the Facebook thing, it's time to rip out your phones and, and check into Facebook. Uh, let your friends and family know where you're at and why you're here today serving God. It's also a great way that you can reach out and invite your friends. Peyton. Let's give Mike another hand. Well, good morning, everyone. I've got a couple uh, more quick announcements for you. If you're a first-time guest with us today, we are so excited that you're here. Um, and we would like you, if you went after the service, we have a table set up. Pastor Jess will be out there, and we have a gift to give you. Um, we would love to get to know you guys better and um, just introduce yourself to us. Um, we also have our Back to Basics class that started last weekend. Um, that's going to be on Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and it's going to continue throughout the summer. Um, so that's just a course on the foundations of our faith, and so we have different staff members of the church teaching um, each Sunday night. And so if you um, have children, child care is provided. Um, they just ask that you guys bring a snack for yourself or um, one that the group can um, enjoy with you. So we're going to continue to worship um, with this next song as we take our tithes and offerings. So as those buckets pass by, just join us by standing.
to 
let us pray. Lord, thank you for allowing us all to get here safely this morning. Thank you for such a beautiful day. Please prepare our minds and our hearts to receive your wisdom today, to penetrate our heart and our bodies. Jesus, we give everything to you. Help quiet the outside noises. Help calm our stress, our issues, our pain. To allow us to hear you and your word today. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and forgiving each and every one of us for our sins. Thank you for your unconditional love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Giants had come from 13 and a half games behind in the closing weeks of the season, something no other team had ever done before. Now losing in the last of the ninth inning, the Giants bravely rallied against history, against the odds, against all reason. No matter who was pitching for the Dodgers, the Giants couldn't possibly win. Unless you keep in mind that baseball is about heartbreak and miracles. sharp today, man. <laughs> anyway, how many of you like baseball? Wow. Last service, I thought, man, I don't know why they play baseball. <laughs> More people like it than that. But I'm glad that uh, you're here today. And, uh, you know, I love baseball. And, um, you know, I've loved it most of my life. Played it in Little League and Pony League and played it a little bit in high school. And I like baseball. So today's message is uh, about baseball. It's kind of got a baseball, kind of, it is a baseball theme. How many of you got a little popcorn when you came in? Not many. You get some when you go out. Uh, you eat that popcorn now because uh, we should probably, somebody said we should add Cracker Jacks and peanuts, but anyway, uh, that reminded me of the circus. Uh, but anyway, I have a little quiz for you. Are you ready to take it? All right, here it is. How long did the baseball player spend in the library? You don't know? Five minutes. It was a shortstop. <laughs> Y'all laughed. All right. First, first people that's laughed. Which baseball player loved fireplaces? Mickey Mantle. Uh oh. <laughs> Which baseball player makes flapjacks? The batter. Why did the sausage quit playing baseball? And y'all don't know anything about baseball, do you? Because he was the worst on his team. <laughs> what do you call a winged insect that hits home runs? A fly swatter. 
So anyway, y'all don't know baseball very well, but did you know that baseball is the first sport in the Bible? Yep, it's right there in Genesis. It says in the beginning. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have you ever felt that you're behind financially, relationally, and emotionally, and it's the bottom of the ninth? What do you do when you feel like your life is trailing in the bottom of the ninth? When you feel down and out? Maybe you're down, but you're never out because there's still hope. Sure, you may be behind. It may be the bottom of the ninth. You may even have two strikes, and there may be two outs, but there is always a chance. There is always a chance to turn your game around. Now, Yogi Bear, the famous Yankee, uh, and I don't know how well this goes over today, uh, but he once said, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Now, that uh, probably is not that, you know, so I probably won't say it again. But anyway, <laughs> for us today, though, what I'm trying to say, it ain't over until it's over. It ain't over until God says it's over. You know, it's only over when God says it's over, or it's only over when you and I decide to quit. You see, the problem I see in the church today is that many of us, people quit way too soon. They're behind, it's the bottom of the ninth, there's two outs, two strikes, and people just give up on God, they just quit, and they walk out. Why do we do that? Why do we quit? Well, I think it's because of fear of failure. You know, we're, we're afraid to fail and that we'll fail if we uh, stand in there in the batter's box and we'd rather fail than, uh, than we'd rather quit than fail. Or we, today we have such a habit of beating ourselves up emotionally or beating ourselves up otherwise. Or we're skeptical about our abilities. You know, we don't think that we have the uh, ability to win or we, we think we don't have the proper training or uh, we think to ourselves, well, somebody can do it better than I can do it. Or, you know, we quit because we have a painful past and it's a reminder of the past. And, or we think that no one supports us, that we're all alone. But the biggest reason I find today and talk to many, many people is that today we feel like we are nothing but a bunch of losers. You know, people just feel like, well, I'm a loser, so why should I try I'm going to lose anyway. Now, these are just some of the things that ways that maybe we feel about uh, the bottom of the ninth situation. So we quit before the game is over. Now, I uh, love to go to the Nationals games. I love uh, the Washington Nationals, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to, that's why I became a hockey fan for about two weeks, <laughs> because I wanted a champion in Washington. You know, if you're a Redskins fan, there's not much chance of that. But uh, I love the Nationals, and uh, I love to go to the game. I'd rather go to the game than watch it. It's too long on, on TV, but it's just right at the ball game. But the thing I love most about the ball game, you might not believe this, but I love the seventh inning stretch. You like the seventh inning stretch? Okay, so let's all stand up. It's the seventh inning. And let's uh, stretch, but I want you to look at your neighbor and say... You are a winner. You are a winner. Now, I want you to stretch it out real good because this sermon's about an hour and a half long. And so, 
I want you to be pretty loose for it. No, don't sit down because we're going to sing the song. Okay, here we go. You can be seated. Yep, you know, at the old ball game, it's one strike, two strikes, three strikes, and you're out. But that's not necessarily true when we're playing, uh, when we're uh, a Christian and believe in Christ. So when you face the bottom of the nice situation in your life, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, financial, mental, spiritual, or whatever it might be in the bottom of the ninth in your life, Here's some tips on how you can still win in the bottom of the ninth. The first step that I believe is all important is that we need to get on the right team. We need to play on the right team. Now, for you, what's the right team in baseball? The winning team, that's true. That's the Nationals, the Reds, the what? You say the Yankees? Man, we're going downhill, are we? <laughs> huh? The Orioles. Yeah, there has been. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I used to be an Orioles fan until Nationals came to town. You got to be for the hometown. If you guys are for the Yankees, move to New York. <laughs> but anyway, it's important that we get on the right team. It's important that we, uh, if we're in the bottom of the ninth, it's important to be on the right team. And as, a, as the church, the church we believes that the right team is God's team. Why is that? Because as Jim says, it is the winning team. Being on God's team is the winning team. Because Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I got to tell you, that is a powerful passage of scripture for us to remember. If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, when we're on God's team, all things are possible, and we're never really out of the game regardless of the situation. If we'll hang in there and we'll keep playing, we will eventually win with God on our side. You see, all things are possible. I remember back when uh, early days of being a believer, uh, one of the ways that... Uh, I felt like I could do my ministry was to coach baseball. And I coached a team for several years, six or seven years. They were 13 to 15-year-old guys. They were uh, middle school, high school guys. And we had a team, the, it was a team from Linville. And we had a pretty good team there for several years. And one year we were like 16 and 0. And there was a team in our county uh, from Grottos, Grottos, Virginia. Anybody know where Grottos, Virginia is at? Yeah, so y'all have lived, right? Because y'all going to heaven, y'all, because y'all been over in God's country. Not Grottos, that's a little bit on the fringe. But anyway, Grottos was the team to beat. I mean, they just, year in and year out, they had the best team in our county. 
And so one year after we had a great year, we decided, we voted as a team, that we wanted to go play in the county tournament. So we loaded up the boys and we headed up to Grotto's and uh, we decided we were going to win that tournament. It was a, a you know, a double elimination, lose two, go home. So we come out strutting our stuff in the first game and I mean, we got whooped. I mean, it was like, you ever heard the old saying, we got taken out to the woodshed. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember the score, but it was a bad beating. And so we loaded up the guys between games and we went over to the Tasty Freeze. Anybody ever been to Tasty Freeze? That's before McDonald's. And Tasty Freeze still has good french fries. If you get them good and hot. Hey, you know, I learned the secret the other day. Anthony told me the secret to get hot french fries at McDonald's. Ask for them with no salt. So they have to make them fresh. And then when they hand them to you, you ask for salt. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, Gay and I just did that not too long ago, and I made her ask for the salt. <laughs> I didn't make her. I, I, I can't make her do anything. But anyway, she asked for the salt because she loves me. But anyway, so we're there. I don't know why I get off on that. So we're there, and I had to remind the guys, you know, the one thing that we were coaching the team for is because we wanted those kids to go to church with us, and we wanted them to know Jesus Christ, and many of them were going to church with us. Many of them knew Jesus Christ. And so that day at Tasty Freeze, we had to remind them who was on our team, that God was on our team. And if God's for us, then who in the world can be against us? I don't remember saying that, but I do remember talking about the fact, guys, you're good. I mean, you've won 16 games this year, and you've just come up here and allowed this team to intimidate you. And we need to remember that God is on our team. Gay reminded them that we need to play our game and not play the game of our opponent, but to play our game. And we prayed together. We went out of there high-fiving each other. And do you know it? We won the tournament. Yeah, took the trophy home. Now, I'm not saying that's because God was on our team, but I think he had a little something to do with it. Because really, that's the only reason Gay and I coached that team was to help kids come to know Christ. But the, not only that, we love baseball. The good news about God's team is you don't need any pre-existing skills or talents. You don't have to pay a fee. You don't have to pay a fee to play. You don't have to pay a fee to play in the game, play in the tournament. You know, I mean, I know you parents, when you're doing that baseball thing, you're always paying fees. You don't have to get, have any previous experience. There's little training needed. There's no medical exams. You still have to get a medical exam, turn your head and cough. <laughs> we did. I was just curious. I probably shouldn't have asked that question. If you don't know what that means, don't ask me. Uh, <laughs> and you can play immediately. All you need to do to play on God's team is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. To be on God's team, all you have to do is ask God to forgive you of your sins and invite him into your heart to be your Savior and have a desire to grow and learn more about God. Have you ever been in a pickup game as a child when they pick it up for a baseball team and you toss the bat to the other guy and you catch it and you do this thing and whoever gets their thumb to the top and gets it over halfway over the top because you couldn't have it, you had to be all the halfway over, you got to choose first. You remember that? Well, have you ever been the person that's standing there knowing that you can't chew gum and walk uh, at the same time and realizing you'll get picked last? Isn't that a terrible feeling? Yeah. It's a terrible feeling. We had a person admit that. Uh, <laughs> that was me, but I'd never admit it. <laughs> no, really. But, you know, on God's team, if you sign up, you get to play. 
It doesn't matter uh, where you grew up at. It doesn't matter which side of the tracks you came from. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up your life. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you made with your life. It doesn't matter where you spent last night. What matters is if you want to play on God's team, all you got to do is accept him and seek his forgiveness and allow him to live and reign in your heart. And when you sign up for God's team, do you know there's a roster in the Bible that talks about a roster? In Revelations, there's a, it talks about the book of life. And once you sign up to play on God's team, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's right there. And God flips through the pages. He's saying, you know, is Jamie, is, there's Jamie. Yep, there's Jamie. There's Richard. I'm looking for Bobby. <laughs> But your name is on the roster. You signed up and you're on the team. And you get to play on God's team. You see, playing on God's team is about being an everyday person, an everyday follower of Jesus, whether you're on the field or off the field, in and out of the season. So you need to be on the right team. Next, you need to play by the book. You need to play by the book. The Bible says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, 2 Timothy. Now, the Christian playbook for life, as we know, uh, maybe, is the Bible. And the Bible is filled with promises. It's filled with a promise for every situation that we may face in life. If you're in the bottom of the ninth and there's something going on in your life, I promise you there's a promise in the playbook. That if you'll live by that promise, then you surely can win the game. You see, it's filled with promises for your life. When you're in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and your knees are knocking. Our playbook as believers, the Bible says when you're in the bottom of the ninth, you know what our playbook says? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what our playbook says. Our playbook says everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, overcomes the bottom of the ninth. It says, and this is the victory. You see, and this is the victory. Everyone who is born of God, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. You know what that is? Our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And I'm telling you today, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He lives in your life as your personal Savior, I can tell you, you have victory. You have victory. It says in our playbook, whatever, what is impossible with men is, is possible with God. I don't know what situation you're in in the bottom of the ninth, but I'm telling you, you might think it's impossible, and all your friends may tell you it's impossible, but I'm telling you today, on the authority of God's Word, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Somebody said, even getting a piano up your nose? Well, I guess if God wants you to have a piano up your nose, it's possible. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, sorry. Our, our playbook also says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it says every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath or crown, but we have an imperishable crown. In other words, folks, we win. Another play in our playbook says, I press on toward the goal 
I press on. I don't quit. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we don't quit. You press on. And, and so when, when you're on the verge of quitting on your marriage, press on. Press on. When you're on the verge of giving up on your career, press on. Don't quit. When you're at the end with your finances, you say there's no way that we'll ever make it. There's no way I can tithe. There's no way I can give to God. And I'm telling you today to press on. To press on, don't give up. You might be in a bad situation with your uh, uh, an addiction, and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, and you said, I can't overcome this, so I might as well quit. And I'm saying to you today, press on. Don't quit. Press on. You may live in fear, and I'm saying to you, press on. You may have a problem with your children. Don't quit on your children. Don't quit on your children. Don't quit on your education. Play by the book. Play by the book. Live by the book. So we get on the right team. We get, we, we get on the right team. We play by the book. And then at the bottom of the ninth, we power up. We power up. Now, athletes, uh, baseball players, they power up. They spend a lot of time in the gym and lifting weights and doing whatever they do to power up. And, you know, they get the right bat that'll power up. And they get the right, uh, you know, hold on the bat, uh, grip on the bat. And, and they power up. 2 Timothy says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we can power up. And we never have to go to the gym, thank God. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. And many times when we're at the bottom of the ninth financially or relationally or emotionally, what happens? We, we become overcome with fear. And I can tell you in baseball, and Mike, you can tell me this because you've hit a lot of home runs. You ever hit one to bomb night two outs? Ah, darn. Oh, yeah. Cool. Over the fence kind of home run. Yeah, man. Nothing like it, is it? I never did that, but boy. <laughs> but, it, but if you're in the batter's box and you're afraid of the ball, if you're afraid of that pitcher, most likely you're going to strike out because you're going to flinch. You're going to turn your head. You're going to drop back. And most likely, you're going to strike out every time. I, I played baseball. I was a catcher, believe it or not. I loved to catch. Uh, I got beat up pretty much back there, but I loved it. And I, I had a strategy. I would, uh, when the guy came to the bat, I would always say, boy, you better back up because this guy hit a guy last week. <laughs> and you would not believe what happened to him. He loves to pitch the inside corner. You better step back from the plate. And, and I say, he's beamed many batters. I'd say something, and, they, and you could see, like, they were like, uh-oh. You know, and I know people hated me, but that, you know, it worked. <laughs> but Paul reminds believers to power up. Power up over your fear. Because the Bible says God did not give us a spirit of fear. This is one that I need to work on in my life. But he gave us a spirit of power. A power. As believers, we not only have a playbook, we also have an intangible that no one else in the world has, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. It's an intangible. It's there when we're in a situation. He's there. It's not an it. He's there when we're in the bottom of the ninth, 
and we have two outs. And, and when you became a born-again believer and you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. God lives in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have an intangible there, the power of the Spirit living in us. And that, and that power, listen, that power that lives in us, it is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in the ninth inning. He was crucified, Jesus was uh, crucified, he died, and he was buried, and on Sunday morning it was the bottom of the ninth, and the power of God raised him from the dead. Lazarus, a best friend of Jesus, one of his best friends had died, been dead for three days, was in the tomb, wrapped in grave clothes, and Jesus walked up to the tomb and he said, come out, Lazarus. Lazarus came out, flung the grave clothes off, and I'm telling you, the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead lives in you, lives in me. That same power. We don't understand that. We don't realize that. We get in a tough situation in life and it's the bottom of the ninth and we whine and we complain and we do this and we do that and we have the power of God living in us and if God can raise a dead man from the grave, he can raise up a dead marriage. God can raise up dead finances. God can do anything if he can raise a dead man from the grave. You see, that same power lives in us. The same power lives in you that when Peter and John were walking through the city gates, there was a beggar begging for money, and they said, silver and gold we have not. But they said to him, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the, and the lame man, the ninth, the bottom of the ninth, got up and walked. And that same power that made a, dead, a lame man walk lives in you and I. The same power that put Stephen to sleep. Stephen was, uh, he was uh, an a, a early follower of Jesus Christ and, and because he was insulting the Sanhedrin and they brought him together in the city court and they began to stone him and the power of the Holy Spirit put him to sleep. And the same power that put Stephen to sleep lives in you and I. Paul and Silas at the bottom of the ninth in a Roman prison Midnight, certain, certain, in a, certain torture in a prison, uh, in, a, um, in a Roman prison. They began to sing, sing hymns, the Bible says. And, the, and, and it says at midnight, all the chains were flung open, the prison doors flew open. You know why? Because that same power lives in you, lived in Paul and Silas, and the power of the Holy Spirit flung open the gates. And they walked out as free men. That same power, folks lives in you and I. You see, that same spirit serves as our advocate. That same spirit serves as our counselor and our counselor who can intervene on our behalf in the bottom of the night. You see, it's like a guarantee. Even if the result doesn't appear to be a win, with God and the spirit living you, the game is never over. The game is never over. Folks, you need to remember, in the bottom of the night, God has the final word. God has the final word. He has the final say, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, the Bible says, listen to this. It says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on us, him, all of us that believe in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now, 
I'm telling you, when you're in the bottom of the ninth and you don't understand something and you need wisdom, it says the spirit of wisdom and understanding is resting on us. He lives in us. The spirit of counsel when we need counsel and the spirit of might, the spirit of power lives in us. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the Holy Spirit lives in you and he lives in me if we're on the right team, on the winning team. In the bottom of the ninth, in the bottom of the ninth, you need to power up. You also need to keep swinging, keep swinging. The Bible says, let us not become weary in doing good. Why? For at the proper time, at the proper time, God's timing, God's seldom early, never late. God's seldom early, but he's never late. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we don't quit. Watch this. And look who's coming up. All year long, they look to him to light the fire. And all year long, he answered the demands until he was physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs, the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. If he hits the ball on the ground, I would imagine he would be running 50% to first base. So the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. Fouled away. He was, you know, complaining about the fact that with the left knee bothering him, he can't push off. Well, now he can't push off and he can't land. He's going to use all arms. Look at his crowd on its feet. Fouled away again. No balls, two strikes, two out. Little number foul. And it had to be an effort to run that far. Gibson was so banged up, he was not introduced. He did not come out onto the field before the game. You can really see the limp. Uh, he's not driving that ball. It was by him. Let's see. He's really almost—he almost has to talk to his legs and say, "Hey, let's go. We got to get out of here." It's one thing to favor one leg, but you can't favor two. No way. And that's what he's trying to do. He really is. Ball one. There goes Davis, and it's fouled away. Two and two. There he goes. Way outside. He's stolen it. Three and two. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. the game two outs two strikes kept on swinging and hit a home run won the game you know and and the thing he was uh Eckersley was one of the best pitchers in that day he was throwing heat and he hit a home run you know the thing I noticed about that he had both legs messed up he had a bad knee and a bad hamstring he could hardly walk they didn't even come out he didn't even come out and be introduced 
at the beginning of the game because he was too messed up. And, the, and Lasorda took a chance by putting him in the game because he knew one thing about Kirk Gibson. He would keep swinging. He'd give it his best shot. And I got to tell you, when we're in the bottom of the ninth in our life, sometimes we're beat up. Sometimes we're, we're, sometimes we're just worn out, beat down, and we're ready to give up and throw in the towel. And when there's two strikes and two outs, we, we got, we're tempted to pick up our bat and ball and just go home and forget it, go in the clubhouse and whine and cry. So, you see, it, because we don't want to deal with the pain. When we quit, it's a, it, we, we quit to escape the pain of a tough circumstances or a tough situation, but doing so will only make the pain worse. Instead, I will encourage you today to keep swinging. Now, not the kind of swinging that Kelly talked to me about, but <laughs> the baseball bat. Now, that's something one of your pastors say that, isn't it? <laughs> what happened is that Gabe was telling us that these pastors, because they want to reach people now, are taking up swinging. But anyway, that's another story. But it's not that kind of, it's not that kind, okay? You, you explain that to your children. Uh, I'm talking about keep swinging. I'm talking about keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying for strength and, and praying for courage, uh, praying that God will give you the wisdom and the knowledge and the help that you need not to walk off the field, not to quit, but to keep swinging. Talk to your coach. His name is Jesus when you're on his team. And he will respond by giving you comfort that you can't find from any other source if you will just keep swinging. Paul told the Corinthians, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Run to win. Get on the right team. Play by the book. Power up. Play to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. And I'm here to say to you today, it's important that when you're standing at the bottom of the ninth with two outs and two strikes, that you understand that you have purpose for standing in there. We all need a purpose in life. And we need to keep swinging for it. My purpose is to be a successful husband, father, grandfather, and to reach as many people before I die, to be a part of reach as many people I can for Christ before I die, and I will go down swinging. I'm not there and where I really want to be. But I'm going to keep swinging until I win. You see, it's no accident that Paul's writings are filled with references to athletic games. You see, for success in sports and success in life, they both require that we never give up, that we keep on swinging. You see, that, that we never give up on our marriage, that we never give up on our finances, that we don't give up on our career, on our children, on our health, no matter what the doctor says, we don't give up on life. And, and, and most importantly, we don't give up on God. I got to tell you, when you're in a situation in your life and you're standing in the batter's box at the bottom of the ninth with two outs and two strikes, you got to be determined. You got to be determined. That you got to be determined to stand in there and not be overcome by fear. You got to be determined to stand in there to know that you're on God's team. 
You got to stand in there and go through a season of trouble and setbacks and adversity. So as you keep swinging, remember what the playbook says. It says God gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, those who put their trust in the Lord, those that are on the Lord's team will renew their strength. They will soar like on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So friends, if you're at the bottom of the ninth and you feel like there's two outs and two strikes, I'm saying to you today, when it feels hopeless and you're hurt and you're lost and you're filled with all kinds of fear, keep swinging. Don't give up. Don't quit. And finally, remember, remember you have fans in the grandstands cheering for you. You really do. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we have such a huge crowd of people of faith watching us from the grandstands, now when people are in the grandstands, what do they do? They cheer. Let us strip off everything that slows us down or holds us back, especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up, and let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Folks, every one of those fans in the stands at some point in life faced the bottom of the ninth situation in their life. Hebrews 12 begins with the word, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to ask, what's it there for? And, and, and the therefore in Hebrews 12.1 is a reference back to Hebrews 11. It's saying, therefore, remember, we have a huge fan base. It's a reference back to Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is the great hall of fame of faith. Hebrews 11, there are names of the men and women who are enshrined there because they never quit in the bottom of the night. And the Bible says they are in the grandstands and they're there right now. And they're cheering for us. They're encouraging us when we are in the bottom of the night to not quit until God has the final word. Not quit. You see, they're in the stands reminding us that God has the final word. You see, the men and women of faith listed in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, they were not perfect people. If you were to look at the list, you'd see that Noah was a drunk. You'd see that Abraham was a liar. You see that Samson was a person with an out of control uh, passion, that Rehab was a prostitute. And Moses had a temper problem. Gideon, Gideon was overcome with fear. David was an adulterer and a murderer. And, and, and Sarah was childless. And on and on and on. I encourage you to read that. Moses was nearly killed as a child. And not only were they not perfect, they weren't even close to being perfect. But they were on God's team. And, and they didn't quit swinging until they were in the clubhouse and they were showered and they were sitting with the king of kings, bowing and worshiping the king of kings in the clubhouse, sitting next to Jesus. You see, these World Series champions of yesterday, they testified to us today that you can still win. You can still win, even if it's in the bottom of the ninth. Noah is, Noah is telling every person here 
that at the bottom of the ninth was an addiction that God can still use you and you can overcome that addiction. And he's cheering you. If you have an addiction and you're saying, I gotta just give up, I'm telling you, Noah's saying, don't give up. You can overcome. It may be the bottom of the night, but don't quit trying. Abraham reminds every person that in the bottom of the night and you're struggling with a temptation that's destroying your life, you're giving into it, that Abraham is reminding us that you can do the right thing. Sarah says to those that are childless not to quit playing by the playbook and keep swinging. She had a child at 90. Now I know some of you, maybe you're childless, you're saying, God, can we get that a little sooner? But the point is, God came through in the bottom of the night. Moses' reminder to us that at the bottom of the night, he was helplessly floating down a river where his parents trusted God. And they put him in a basket and they put him on the river because the king had ordered that all baby boys be killed. And his parents trusted God and he floated down the river and he's reminding us, don't give up on your children. God will come through. He will take care of your children. God will take care of them. When you're accused wrongly, Joseph is a reminder that God has the final word. What, they, what his enemies meant for harm, God meant for good. Rahab shows us that you can break the chains of promiscuity. Moses jogs your memory that with help, God's help, you can overcome anger. Gideon testifies that in the bottom of the night when we're afraid, we can overcome fear. And David signals to all of us that no matter how bad you think your sin is, no matter what you've done wrong in your life, no matter how much shame and guilt you carry from that, he is a reminder to us that he was a God, man after God's own heart. And we can still win in the bottom of the night. To have the hall of faith is an example to us that when the enemy is pitching his best stuff in the bottom of the night, we can keep swinging, we can stand in there because we know a God who has promised to work all things together for our good. Even if I strike out, I'm going down swinging. So knock the dirt off your cleats. Dig in there. Keep your eye on the ball and play by the book. Power up and keep swinging as the fans in the stand are cheering. I mean, those guys and the Dodger fans, they were cheering because they knew that the game wasn't over because Kirk Gibson was coming to bat. And I can tell you folks, the game is not over because you're still on God's team. And God has the final say. And he's cheering, those fans are cheering us on. When the odds seem stacked against you and there are two outs and two strikes and you feel like taking your ball and bat and going home, remember that God is never caught off guard by a changeup. He will save those who are on his team for calamity. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lived to intercede on our behalf. Folks, I want to tell you today, God, if you're on his team, God's not going to abandon you in the bottom of the night. He's never going to forsake us. He's never going to leave us standing at the plate all alone. So today, if you're not on God's team, I encourage you right now to get on God's team. Simply ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and invite him into your life and believe on him today. 
And you can do that in a moment. And when you sign up on God's team, your name is written down in the life book. It's on the roster. It's on the book of life. It's there. And when God goes flipping through the page, he says, that's one of my children. His name is written right here. And I have his image carved on the palm of my hand. And I am never going to forsake him. I'm never going to leave him or leave her. I am never going to abandon her. I will be our helper. And he will be our helper in time of need. God, we're on God's team. And if you're, if you're on God's team and you find yourself a little weak in the knees, play by the book. Power up and keep swinging. With Jesus on your team, you surely will be conquerors. But the Bible says not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Which means you may hit the next pitch out of the park. Friends, I've read the end of the playbook. I've read it. You can too. I read the end of the playbook. I know the box score. We win. We win. We win. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So never stop. Never stop swinging. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the illustration of baseball that we can apply to our lives biblically, Lord. Uh, Father, we just thank you today for this moments that we've had together. I thank you for those that maybe came here today and now they, that when they came, God, they weren't on your team, but today they leave on your team. And if that's you today, I just encourage you so much to stop back at the table right behind you. Talk to Pastor Mark. Don't be ashamed to do that because it's really important. Father, I pray for anyone today that received Christ. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for those that are believers today and they're in the bottom of the ninth. There's two strikes, two outs, and they're kind of lonely. They're fearful. And God, I just pray right now that you would wrap your loving arms around each one. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, and maybe that's you today and you're, you're standing there in the bottom of the ninth, you think the game's over. You're ready to quit. Maybe, you've have, maybe you have quit. But today, maybe God's reminded you that he's on your team and you're on his team. And I want, I want to take a moment just to pray for you. If, you're, if that's you today, if you're at the bottom of the ninth and you just need God's wisdom and power and strength and you just want to keep swinging, you don't want to give up, I want to pray for you as we close out. Could we, with all of our heads bowed, would you just, if you want me to pray for you in this closing prayer, acknowledge to God, would you just slip up your hand? Yep, I see your hands. Yep, I see your hands. Yes, God sees your hands. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up, put it right back down, bottom of the night. Yes, ma'am, I saw your hand. Yes, up front, I see your hand, and over on this side, I see your hand. But more importantly, God sees your hand. Keep swinging. Don't give up. God is going to come through. You win because you're on the winning team. I don't know when your victory is going to come, but I believe it will come. I got situations in my life that I'm swinging. I'm going to keep swinging, and I'm going to keep believing, and I'm going to keep trusting. Don't give up because God doesn't give up. Father, thank you for every person today that raised their hand. I thank you, dear Jesus, that you saw those hands and you saw the heart of those who raised their hand, God. And I just pray right now, God, 
that whatever they need, that God, you will provide. I pray that you will wrap your loving arms around them, strengthen them, encourage them. Father, I just pray you give them courage. Father, I pray that you will take away any fear that may be in their life as they commit to you. I pray, God, that they will be reminded today if they're lonely, God, that you're right there with them. Would you wrap your loving arms around them, Father, to remind them? I pray, God, for victory. I pray for victory. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to do. If you've ever been in the bottom of the ninth, two outs and two strikes, and God has come through for you, what I want you to do is I want you to cheer. I want you to cheer for those that just raised their hand. And they need a little encouragement. They need to know that you understand that you're on their team. Would you just, let's just give them a hand. Can you do that? you look around and know that we're going to be cheering you on this week. We're going to be cheering you on. Let's say a word of prayer for them, right? Just in your prayer, just say, for those that raise their hand, may they find encouragement today. May they get, find encouragement to know that you're, they're going to make it, that God's never going to leave them or abandon them or forsake them. Can we do that? Father, thank you. Let's worship together, and if you'd like to come and pray, always know that our altars are always open. Anytime you can come and pray, you don't have to be embarrassed. Let's just let the Lord lead you, okay? Thank you. God bless. All these pieces broken and scattered In mercy gathered, mended and whole Empty-handed, but not forsaken I've been set free Set your treasure in jars 
faithfulness, God. God, we thank you for your word this morning, just your presence, Father. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. See you right back here next weekend. Invite a friend.